This is Dr. Ward Bond's Life-Changing Wellness. Life-Changing Wellness. Here's Dr. Ward Bond. I'm Dr. Ward Bond, and I welcome you to Life-Changing Wellness, episode number 127. This week's episode is brought to you by Bayleaf Sports Active Wear. Bayleaf Sports gives you today's new technology, such as compression, improved airflow, and lightweight materials and all of its great products. High quality at affordable prices, and remember to always use the code Dr. Bond and receive 15% off anytime you order from Bayleaf Sports. Go to bayleaf.com, that's B-A-L-E-A-F.com. Now before we begin, please head over to iTunes after the interview with my guest today, rate and review the show for me, and I want to thank you ahead of time for making our show great. Well, my guest this week is Abby Johnson. Her best-selling book, Unplanned, was made into a feature film that debuted in theaters nationwide March 2019 under the same name. It all started when Abby worked for Planned Parenthood for eight years, working her way up through the ranks to become the clinic director in Bryan, Texas. She was Planned Parenthood's Employee of the Year in 2008, But she walked away from her job after witnessing the abortion of a 13-week-old fetus during an ultrasound-guided abortion. She left Planned Parenthood and instantly became a national news headline for her defection, which led to a pro-life speaking career. And in 2012, she founded And Then There Were None, the only ministry in the nation that helps abortion workers leave their jobs and find new ones out of the industry. To date, she has helped over 530 abortion workers quit. She also founded Pro Love Ministries and Loveline in the fall of 2019. She has a very powerful story to tell, and Abby Johnson is with us today to share it. Welcome to the show, Abby. Of course. Thanks so much for having me on. Oh, you're very welcome. Let me ask you something. You worked for Planned Parenthood for eight years, even winning the Employee of the Year Award, but then you left. Why was that? Yeah, I left after, um, well, a few things, actually. One, uh, being told to double our abortion quota for abortions. So uh, the number of abortions that we had to sell to women coming into our facility, which was, um, that was problematic for me. I mean, I got involved with Planned Parenthood you know, at the beginning of that eight years and and throughout that eight years, believing that our goal was to keep abortion safe, legal, and rare. That, that was the talking point. And now all of a sudden I'm, I'm sitting here with a budget in front of me and I'm being told that we are going to be doubling our abortion quota. So that was, that was one thing. Um, Another another thing that was problematic for me was that we were going to be building the largest abortion facility in the Western Hemisphere. We were going to be aborting babies through the sixth month of pregnancy for any reason. I was a person that was, you know, I was, I was very pro-choice. I was, I was very for abortion um, for any and every reason up until the point of viability. And here we were going to be uh, aborting babies that were that were viable um, under my watch, under my my supervision, but ultimately, I ended up leaving after watching a live ultrasound guided abortion procedure. Now, 
abortions are usually not performed uh, via ultrasound guidance. They're usually done in a, a blind sort of manner where you don't see the baby actually being aborted. But I, I watched a live ultrasound guided abortion procedure where I saw a 13-week-old baby fight and struggle for his life against the abortion instruments. And I knew then that there was life in the womb. There was humanity in the womb. And I knew that if these two things were true, that I was on the wrong side of this debate. And um, I decided to, to leave my job with Planned Parenthood. And um, I started to expose what was taking place behind uh, those abortion clinic doors and um, really tried to to also um, help people find healing from from what's been taking place uh, in our society. I mean, 60 million abortions have been recorded since since the legalization of abortion in 1973. So we have a very wounded society. Um, and so I'm really trying to, I've been trying to bring to the forefront uh, this woundedness. You have, uh, and we're going to get into that, but something struck me kind of odd because here you are, you, you entered Planned Parenthood, and one of the words you just mentioned was abortions to be rare. Eight years later, you're told to double your quota. And, I mean, is that, to, to hear the words double the quota of abortions, when a woman comes in, is it basically trying to force her to have one? You know, I mean, are there women that ever do? Do women ever go to Planned Parenthood for parenthood, and then are they are they forced, or maybe things are said to them to where maybe you know we can make money off this deal? Yeah, I mean, our job. If a woman came to Planned Parenthood, and you know, she found out she was pregnant. And let's say she said, well, you know, I, I, I don't know, maybe I can do this. You know, I'm a student, but, you know, my parents are, you know, they, they would be okay with it. Or, um, or my boyfriend's supportive. Or maybe she's married, hmm. you know. Our job was to wreck her plans. Oh, my God. Um, our job was to convince her that she did not have the strength and wherewithal to be a mother and to insert every possible obstacle so that she would think that she could not be a mother and that motherhood was not feasible for her. So you're planting seeds of doubt, insecurity, fear, fear, just to make a buck. I mean, in the end, that's what this is really about. And and I've talked to, to others who have gone through an abortion and years later, and in every single one of them that I've ever talked to said, I regret that decision. Every single yeah. one. I, I don't know of anybody I've ever met that had one that said, I'm glad I did it. You know, um, I heard Stevie right. Nicks make that weird comment uh, a few weeks ago that she was glad that she did it, um, which I thought was kind of weird and selfish. But overall, 
for normal people, yeah, that, you know. Even, yeah, but even that is such a lie. Because I'll tell you what, a few years ago, Stevie Nicks came out and she admitted that she, one of her songs, uh, one of her, one of her songs is called Sarah. Right. And she admitted that she wrote that song, Sarah, as a memoriam to the daughter that she aborted. And a few years ago, she talked about the regret that she had in aborting her daughter. And that's why she wrote that song. Wow. She only now talked about, she flipped the script. She flipped her story because it's an election time. Right. But the truth came out several years ago about how she truly regretted her abortion and she wished she hadn't have had the abortion. And that's why she wrote that song. And that's why she dedicated that song to her aborted baby. But, you know, they make, they, they flip the story when it's convenient. Yeah. Um, but the truth came out several years ago and she talked about her abortion regret. So, you know, even, even then, even, even Stevie Nicks, talked about how much she regretted her abortion several years ago when it wasn't convenient for an election. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, exactly. And, you know, and I'm glad you brought that up and cleared that up. And, but for you, let me ask you something because you were there for eight years. And then I guess in the eighth year, you see this ultrasound guided abortion. But prior to that, was it just, you know, you go to work, it's business as usual, you don't think about exactly what's going on, you know, with whatever the, the doctor or the PA or whatever they're doing. You're just handling the budget. You're, you know, you're administrating. Did it just kind of just kind of go over your head on what was really going on? I mean, I'm not going to lie. I, I had seen, you know, I aborted babies before. I, you know, um, I had been back in the lab. I, you know, um, I had seen the body parts. I had seen all of that. Um, there was something different about seeing this child fight and struggle for his life. There was something, um, there was something different. I, I think it's two things. I think one, I think that God had been working on my heart. It had been one thing after another. You know, it was the it was the building we were building. It was the quota. Then it was the you know, it was like this callus had been built around my heart and the Lord was chipping away at it so that finally I would have eyes to see, right? Um but also it was it there was something it wasn't seeing the death of the baby. It was seeing the life of this baby. It was seeing this fight or flight reaction that we all instinctively have within us, um, recognizing the humanity of this child and that this child is trying to live. Well, then at the well, when you saw that, how long was it bef from that point of seeing the ultrasound guided abortion until you quit? What was the timeline? A week. Wow. A week. What did you tell them? Um, you know, I, well, I went home that day and I told my husband, my husband had always been pro-life and which made for interesting conversation. Um, 
during that <laughs> during that eight I years. Bet. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I went home that day and I told him, I said, I have to tell you about something that happened at work. And uh, I said, I have to tell you about something I saw. And he said, I really don't want to hear it. And I said, well, I'm sorry, but you have to, because I have to tell somebody. And so I told him about it. And that was the perfect moment for him to look at me and say, well, I mean, I told you so, you know, I mean, you know, <laughs> but, yeah, uh, I could, I could imagine, I could imagine, yeah. <laughs> but he didn't, he said, well, he said, now that you've seen the truth, what are you going to do? And I said, well, I know I can't work here anymore, but I have to have a job. And so my plan was, I'm going to, you know, furiously search for a job. And I'm not going to participate in abortion anymore. So I'm going to go to work and I'm going to, I'm going to do all of my, you know, paper pushing activities and I'm not going to have anything to do with abortion until I find another job. And so, you know, I, so I, I did that for a week and I sort of just kept my head down and I was very quiet, just running the clinic, you know, doing the paperwork and but I felt sick. Every day I went into work, mm. I was physically sick. I mean, I think I, I actually vomited several several days wow. when I had to go into work. I mean, I just I felt this evil every time I walked into work. And I desperately there were people praying outside of my facility and I desperately just wanted to like run to them and be like, Get me out of here. Um but I knew I couldn't do that yet. So I um the, so that next that next Monday, um, I went in and I was still searching for a job. I was feeling so sick going to work every day. And I looked out my window and I saw a woman uh, who had just, she'd walked out of our clinic and she was holding a brown paper bag. And I knew inside of that bag were pills to abort her baby. Wow. And I just started crying and I thought, I can't, I, I am still doing it. Even though I'm sitting in this office, my paycheck is still coming from abortion. Everything I'm doing in here still revolves around abortion. Because Planned Parenthood is abortion. Yeah. And so I, I just, I just cried out to the Lord and I was like, God, I don't know how we're going to pay our mortgage. If I leave this job, I don't know how we're going to do it, but I just have to trust you. And I, um, I, uh, you gave him no notice, a, did a you? Letter. Oh, you, I gave him no notice. I typed up a letter. I faxed it to HR. I took, I gathered up all my stuff and I just left. Well, then let me ask and you this. Well, from that point, when did you end up becoming the whistleblower poster child on Planned Parenthood? When when the whole when you hit the national scene with this, when how long did that? When did that happen from the time you left until the national notoriety hit? So that happened three weeks later. 
you so, ticked off a lot of people. <laughs> I, I mean, did. what was the so backlash I did. like? I didn't even mean to. Well, what was the backlash like first? I, you know, I know you had so support, but what was I the back? Yeah. Well, when I left, I actually did go to those pro-life people that had been praying for me. Um, and when I, when I walked out, I went to the Coalition for Life Um these people who had been praying outside of my clinic. I mean, I knew them, they knew me, you know, and uh, I went to them because I, they had always told me, if you ever need help finding a job, we'll help you. And I thought, well, boy, howdy, I need help finding a job. (laughs) So, (laughs) um, uh, I took them up on their offer. So I walked into their office that day, just, you know, boohooing saying, I need your help. I just, I left my job. Um, and so, when Planned Parenthood found out that I had not only left, um, but that I had left and I was, I had gone to the Coalition for Life for help, um, they sued me. And they tried to get a permanent gag order against me. And when they sued me, they sent out a press release to the Associated Press alerting the press that their clinic director, their employee of the year, had defected from their organization. The press picked that up and sent it out everywhere. And I suddenly was getting phone calls from Mike Huckabee and Bill O'Reilly and Focus on Family and CNN and MSNBC, because all of a sudden the media, they were saying, well, hey, what don't you want her to say? Ah, see, they're ba- why that, are you trying? It backfired. Why are you trying to gag her? Wow. Um. So it completely backfired on them, and all of a sudden, you know, and of course they lost the case. Um. And uh, but I, I was all of a sudden being requested, you know, to speak and and go around and and share my testimony, and that's what I've been doing for eleven years. Well, then last year, the film Unplanned was released to theaters that told your story. How did that feel? But then what was the reaction to the film? You know, it was very vulnerable. I mean, I'd written the book Unplanned. That was released in 2011. It it did really well. Um, And that was one thing, you know, but uh, having your life up on the big screen is that's a new level of vulnerability. but it was it was great. I mean, you know, so, so many babies were saved. So many people found healing from their past abortions. So many eyes were open to the to the reality of abortion. Um, it, it was really just uh, it, it was an honor to be able to tell my story in that way. And um, uh, yeah, people can they can stream it on Amazon. It's you know it's available so. Um, yeah, it's been pretty and, amazing. And it's a very, very, yeah, it's a, ladies and gentlemen, if you've never seen Unplanned, you better be prepared because it is a, mm, it is a very powerful movie. A very powerful story. Um, boy, Abby. <laughs> I was going to tell myself not to do this, but when you tell this story, it's, 
I mean, it's it's shocking. I mean, it's truth. It really happens. And and to hear the two words, Planned Parenthood, that's like the biggest oxymoron ever created. Because there is no parenthood. There's no planning for parenthood. It's planting, it's planning for anti-parenthood or to be a non-parent when you have the choice to become one or maybe you were going to become one not be you know maybe not by choice but maybe a a uh, a bad choice either way but it is the biggest oxymoron in the world and your movie still continues to change lives today and and i think the biggest thing is is it, you know it, it's funny because, well not really funny but the movie in your book and your mission you have one side where you're you're helping those make a pro-life choice. I mean, uh, yeah, a pro-life decision. Let me say it that way. A pro-life decision. But then there are those who have made that decision in the past to have an abortion, but your mission still brings healing to them to, to wipe away the guilt and the shame so they can move forward in a more positive way because you know like we've said earlier in the interview a lot of you know many many women who have who've gone through this the majority of all of them regret it and there is guilt and shame there you know it's it's almost like they beat themselves over the head day in and day out for making that type of decision and what are some, can you share with us maybe a testimony or a story of someone that you have talked to who who finally got to break through or, or break from that guilt and shame? Oh, gosh. Um, there's been so many. We partnered with a group um, with, when the film Unplanned came out called Support After Abortion. And uh, people can find out about them at supportafterabortion.com. Um, they actually set up a call center um, when the film was released, and um, they have helped thousands of men and women um, find healing uh, just since the film was released. I mean, they had just phone calls flooding in um, all over the world, um, you know, people finding redemption, people who have been living with this secret of abortion, you know, suffering in silence um, for so many years. Some, uh, I, I went to a church actually um, not too long ago, and there was a very uh, elderly woman that walked up to me. She was in her 80s. And um, now this is in church. I was, I was speaking at a church service. And she came up to me after the service, and she grabbed my hand, and um, she had tears in her eyes, and she said, I had an illegal abortion over 60 years ago. And she said, you're the first person I've ever told. Oh, my goodness. Um, I mean, just imagine living with that for over 60 years. Yeah. You know, um, there are so many people uh, living with with shame uh, regarding abortion decisions, and the reality is that they don't have to. Uh, there, there is 
there's help available. Amen. There's hope. There's forgiveness in Christ. And supportafterabortion.com is a fantastic resource. Um, and there are resources available for men as well. Um, uh, because they're, you know, men have been uh, largely silenced um, in this movement, but there are there are resources for men available uh, as well. Well, let me ask you this. You run the only ministry in the world that helps abortion workers leave their jobs. Tell us about that ministry, and, and why did you uh, start something like that? Well, you know, when I left the industry, I started looking around to see if there were other people like me. And I thought, gosh, we've got hundreds of, you know, gosh, we've got thousands of, of pro-life ministries out there. We've got pregnancy centers and post-abortion ministries and, you know, ministries for everything under the sun in the pro-life uh, movement, which is fantastic. But we had nothing for abortion clinic workers. And I started asking around different leaders in the pro-life movement, you know, why is that? And the consensus seemed to be that abortion clinic workers were just a group of people uh, that people had given up on. Um, they just thought that they were too far gone. And um, I just didn't think that was true. <laughs> I mean, I, I was one of them. and. Um, well, so, is there a, well, let me ask you this. Is there a PTSD problem from from former workers of abortion clinics? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, you've got mental health issues, um, PTSD. I mean, there's a lot of issues. There's some trauma involved. About 70% of people who work in the abortion industry have had abortions themselves. So we've got to, you know, we've got to help with, with their own abortion uh, problems. We've got a lot of suicidal ideation. Mm, um, I bet. Uh, alcohol issues, drug issues. Um, so it's a it's a it's a hard group to unpack. And I think the pro life movement just sort of felt like it's just too much for us to deal with, and so nobody had dealt with it. And um, and I think the pro life movement felt like nobody in an abortion clinic would ever reach out to the pro life movement for help. And I thought, well, maybe partly that's true, but maybe they would reach out to someone who used to be one of them. There you go. And so, well, you wanted to run. Um, you wanted to run out the front door and running, running to the people that were praying outside your clinic. So yeah, I would say yeah. that there are people out there that would definitely leave if they knew there was help available. Exactly. And so that's why I got it started. And we didn't know if it would be successful. People had told me, Abby, it's never going to work. Nobody's ever going to come. These clinic workers are not going to come to the pro-life movement. And here we are now sitting right at about 600 abortion clinic workers who have left. And it's not just about getting them another job. I mean, this is really about getting them into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And, mm, and that's, what we, that's what we've done. And, and that's how you change the culture. Well, yeah, exactly, and 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 I and I want to ask you this question because this ended up being a very hot button issue prior up to the current election. That uh, I bet your phone rang off the hook when Amy Comey Barrett was tapped to be the next Supreme Court justice. What happened on your end? 
Oh yeah, I mean that was definitely a a huge victory um for for the pro life movement. Um it was uh it was a huge victory for um for the unborn. Um it was a huge victory for the constitution. I mean, she's a constitutionalist. Um so yeah, I mean, we were all we were all very excited and and I I feel a, a sense of peace. I mean, I I believe, I mean, I believe that Donald Trump has, has won this election, but, um, and I, I believe that we'll see that play out. But uh, I I almost feel a, a sense of, of peace, no matter the outcome, because um, he has appointed three pro-life justices to the Supreme Court. And I feel like that is such a huge uh, victory for our country, no matter the outcome of this election. Well, do you think Roe versus um, Wade will ever be overturned in our lifetime? I do. I have a very strong sense that um, that Roe will be overturned um, in my lifetime, and and but that's not that won't be that won't be it. I mean, then we then we go to battle at a state level, right? Um, and so it's not like you know, oh, Roe, that's it. You know, we're we yeah, won. no, no, yeah, yeah. It, yeah it's not like that um, at all. I mean, it's... The, then it goes to the state. Um, but I, I do feel, a, you know, a very strong sense that that in my lifetime Roe will be overturned. Wow. Now, uh, well, we're almost out of time and I could talk to you for another half hour. Um, <laughs> now, you started two new ministries last year, Pro Love Ministries and, and Love okay. Line. What are their missions? So Pro Love Ministries um, is is basically a. Um, it's an umbrella organization that um, we we find gaps in the pro-life movement and we fill them. So Loveline is a project under Pro-Love Ministries, and it was a it was a gap that we saw that we filled. Loveline is a crisis hotline, and it's a it's a case management hotline. So we love pregnancy centers and we think they do amazing work and so Loveline is essentially a, a complementary sort of um, service that partners with with uh, pregnancy centers when we're able pregnancy centers you know work with women who are directly in crisis or um, u- usually up until about um, a, a child is two years old but what about, you know, a single mom who has a five-year-old and a seven-year-old and they're about to be evicted um, because the, the mom just lost her job? Um, what then? You know, we hand her a list of, of uh, you know, resources and half the phone numbers are disconnected or the funding resources are out. And, you know, what then? What about, you know, a woman who's homeless and on the street and has a child? Um, you know, we need resources for those women too. And uh, what about a woman who's, you know, a victim of domestic violence and has six children and doesn't know where to go? So we are basically providing case management services for uh, these women who fall outside of the scope of pregnancy, you know, standard pregnancy center help. Um, or she may be a pregnancy center client, but she needs rent assistance or she needs tires on her car to get to work. Well, that's not services that pregnancy centers necessarily provide. 
but those are services that we can provide. So we come wow. alongside a client, we start working case management services with her. We've only been around for a year, but we're currently providing case management for over a thousand clients. Um, My goodness. And that it's is a, changing people's lives. We're, we're getting them plugged into the church. We're allowing the church to be the church. And uh, it's, it's transforming people's lives. You know, 60% of women uh, who have abortions are women who already have children at home. So this is another way that we're changing the culture by not just giving them wipes and, and diapers and formula, but we're really interacting with them. We're getting them involved in the church and we're living life with them. I love that. I love that. And and Abby, one quick, one last quick question for those listening, those that may are are being inspired or motivated or encouraged to maybe get involved in the pro life movement. Where where can they go? Well, um, you know, there's so many ways that you can get involved. Um, if you want to know more about what we're doing at Pro Love Ministries, there's lots and lots of different projects that we have. We have a Another project called Mama Scholar. We are um, we don't ever want um, you know being a, a you know having a baby to hinder a woman from finishing her education. So we have set up a scholarship fund. We award scholarships for single moms to finish their education. Maybe that's a way that you want to get involved. Maybe you want to get involved in Loveline. We have an international project called Love Beyond Borders. Maybe you want to get involved there. Um, you can see all the different projects we have at. Um, ProLoveMinistries.com. Um, maybe you want to get involved with them in the Renun. You can go to AbortionWorker.com. My website is um, AbbyJ.com. A-B-B-Y-J.com. AbbyJ.com. So, ladies and gentlemen, did you hear that? Go to A-B-B-Y-J.com. That's AbbyJ.com. Uh, if you're wanting to get involved, she'll have all the resources there and just follow the links. And I'm sure that uh, the Lord will lead and guide you uh, with his guiding hand to know where you can be best used. Abby, it's been an honor, a pleasure, and a very, very eye, a big eye opener. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me on. Oh, absolutely. And uh, I need you to come on to my TV show. <laughs> so, uh, oh, that'd be fun. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, we. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna. When I get done today, I got a ton of interviews today. But anyway, when I get done, I'm going to. Uh, we're we're gonna work that out. So uh, I need you to come right. on. We we need to sit down. We need even if it's via Skype or Zoom due to uh, the pandemic situation. But uh, this message needs to be heard. It needs to continue to grow and to to get out there. So again, ladies and gentlemen, a very powerful interview this week with Abby. Johnson, get the book Unplanned, go rent or download the movie Unplanned, sit there, watch it. It's truth. You can't deny the truth, and we don't deny the truth here on Life Changing Wellness. So ladies and gentlemen, remember to catch every episode of Life Changing Wellness. Just hit subscribe on iTunes or Spotify, and if I can ask you a favor, please take 30 seconds and rate the show on iTunes. You know this week's episode is five stars, so thank you for doing that for me as we want to bring you the best show possible. Just look up Dr. Bond's Life Changing Wellness 
on any streaming service. And again, you can learn more about me at drwardbond.com and tune in daily to the Dr. Ward Bond Show. All that information is on my website. So again, thank you for listening to Life Changing Wellness. And remember, something spectacular happens when you treat your body right. Have a blessed day, everyone.